played well as well. Thank you, Abby. Beautiful. You guys always do a great job. I appreciate you. It's good to hear a few amens out there and see a few raised hands, some tears coming down faces. That's a good thing. Amen. I texted Dave the other day, Deb Tellison. He's had to work a lot, not been here, and I've missed him, and I hear his amens over there. So, Pastor, don't encourage that. You know, Dave, he'll just praise the Lord. That, that's okay. That's all right. You know, people that don't like that, you've got to take out the last five psalms in the Bible because it's all about praising the Lord in the sanctuary and the congregation. And, and I think Dave's spiritual enough and others that they're not going to go crazy on us and interrupt the whole sermon. And I'd like to preach a sermon this morning. They get everybody fired up around the aisles and hanging on the chandeliers. That would be wonderful. But uh, you say, preacher, you're not that kind of preacher. Well, I, I know, I know. We'll just... We'll just try to get, do our best. Okay, so we're going to turn to uh, Genesis in chapter 5, but uh, I love the praise of the Lord, and I think it's proper. And uh, as long as everybody does the right thing, it's good. And I want to just say, I, I look out here and I see a lot of the men growing very nice beards this winter, getting ready for the hunter's banquet. I'm envious. I saw Stuart this morning, and I said, what happened to your beard? You had the most beautiful beard. And he explained there was a little problem with the barber, and, but he's growing it back, amen? And I just want to say something else. I'm glad at Parkview Baptist Church we got men that grow beards. Some choose not to, I get it, but I'm awful glad that we don't have any women growing them. So that's, <laughs> that's a blessing in, in the day that we live, amen? In Genesis chapter 5, uh, we're going to get into God's Word, and this is kind of a theme that we hear. Uh, our messages in January are trying to stir us up for the new year, and I hope this helps us all. In Genesis chapter 5, in verse 22, we'll pick up the reading. And the Bible says in Genesis 5, 22, And Enoch walked with God, and he begat Methuselah 300 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. I want to just, this simple thought today, walking with God in 2020. Walking with God in 2020. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your dear son, Jesus. Uh, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the Christian life. It's wonderful to be a Christian. And Lord, we want your blessings, your richest blessings upon this ministry, these families, and these individuals. And Lord, I pray this message would be a source of encouragement, but also, Lord, of stirring up the body of Christ in this new year. Lord, I want to walk with you, and I pray that uh, these dear people of God will have the same desire. Lord, there might be somebody here today visiting, a young person or a teenager or an adult or even a senior that does not know you as their personal Savior. They know about church. They know about Christmas and Easter. They don't know Jesus, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd prick and convict and deal with lost hearts today. But I pray the message would help the saints of God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but boy, this new year came in fast, and it's already moving fast. Uh, it is a busy, busy time for me. I'm sure it is for you and yours, and uh, just a personal time, but of course, the business of the Lord goes on, and 
we're announcing business meeting, we're announcing themes of the church for the year, we're announcing different events that are coming our way, and before you know it, we'll be halfway through this year. But it just seems like we're really at a breakneck speed already. And so I got to thinking, you know, I don't want to preach a message on running with the Lord, I want to preach a message on walking with the Lord. I've just been busy running here and running there and going here and going there, and I just like to walk with my God this year. And in order to do that, you've got to think about doing that. You have to set out to do that. Your daily walk with the Lord in your Bible, in your prayer closet, just walking with the Lord. It'll be a good year when you do that. Amen. So today I want to focus on walking with God. And uh, we have a well-known person in the Bible that gives the example to us here that we probably all know if you've read your Bible. Uh, a well-beloved text about Enoch and his glowing testimony of his relationship with his God about Enoch walking with God. The first thing I want to notice this morning about this text and this man Enoch is consider the character of Enoch, the character of Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Now he walked with God in a day that was very wicked. He walked with God when it was a day that was very dark. God was seeing all the sin of man and it grieved him to his heart. And of course we know that God said, okay, I've had enough. And then in Noah's life, he said, prepare an ark for the saving of your house, for God is going to judge the world, the earth, and its inhabitants. But Enoch lived in a day which wasn't easy to live for God, wasn't easy to walk with God. But he wanted, and he found a way to stroll with his God. You know, my wife, she's kind of a power walker. She's been walking for years, and she's in such good health, and and, uh, but I, I go for walks with my wife, and, and I have to tell her, honey, slow down. I just want to walk with you. I want to stroll with you. I like holding hands with her and going to places and just getting a little exercise by walking. But, you know, I'm not into the power walk. I don't need the weights on my hands. I don't need a certain outfit to put on. I'm just, I'm just, I just like walking with her. I like walking with my God. In a daily walk, a weekly walk, a monthly walk, and before you know it, it's a yearly walk, and then it's a decade walk, and it's a generation. I'm going to talk about that tonight, a generation walk with God. But Enoch, he walked with his God in a day when it wasn't really popular, hardly anyone was doing it, it seems like, from Scripture. But I want to just ask you a few questions about walking with God. First of all, what does walking with God suppose? What does it assume, this statement of walking with God? Uh, it, it supposes and denotes a few things, I believe, that are important for us to see. Well, all mankind has fallen and is, is in need and forgiveness of salvation. It, it just supposes that. And the Bible is very clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone needs to be saved. Jesus said, you must be born again. So there may be somebody here today and you've not been saved yet. You must be born again. You need a conversion experience in your heart and life, and that comes through knowing Jesus as your Savior. Have you been saved? Do you know Jesus? I mean, I didn't ask you if you're religious. I didn't ask you if you go to church. I didn't ask you if you believe in God. That's not good enough. You must receive his son, Jesus Christ, in your heart and life to be your Savior. So what does walking with God suppose? Well, we need to be saved. Also, all mankind must agree with God of our condition. We're lost. We're undone. We, our good deeds are not good enough. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. For our grace he is saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, Amen. 
lest any man should boast. Are works good? Yes, after salvation, but not to get it. You can't get it by good works. But God wants after salvation for us all to have a relationship with him, to walk with him. Amen. Amos 3.3, the old prophet says, can two walk together except they be agreed? No. The answer is no. We we get that. Uh, Being born again is to personally uh, know the Lord, but also to have intimate fellowship with God. How do we have intimate fellowship with God? Through prayer, through fellowship through his word, amen, and through doing his work and his will. And I don't take much stock in people that say they're saved and they don't worship God. They don't read the Bible. They don't come to church. They, they don't do anything for the Lord. I, I don't know about that. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I know when I got saved, I wanted God. I wanted the things of God. I love to being in church with the people of God, that's one of the, the proofs that you're saved. You love the brethren. Yeah. Not you put them off at an arm's length, that you don't want anything to do with them, that you park your car in backwards so as soon as church is over, you can leave as fast as you can. That's not an attribute of a saved person. Amen. So what does walking with God suppose? Second of all, what does walking with God imply? It implies some things. This word imply means to strongly suggest something, okay? Walking with God means to have faith in God. Faith that he is God Almighty. He is creator God, amen. He is savior of the world. He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. It implies that we conform to his will and way in our life. Not trying to get him to just save us and be a be a spare tire for us when we're in trouble. You know, get it out of the old trunk and put it on and go on your merry way. That's not, that's not a relationship with God. Walking with God suggests the enjoyment of daily fellowship. Talking with him. Strolling with him. Sharing your heart with him. I want to walk along with God, not apart from God. I want to walk with God, not from God. I want to walk with God, not behind God. I want to walk with him, side by side, and not ahead of God. That's not, that's not good, get ahead of God. People who get ahead of God, they don't have God's will. They don't know him. They're not next to him, hearing his voice, fellowship with him. They're going to be, get themselves in trouble, even if they think it's something good religiously or spiritually. Walk with God. Here's one, not against God. Some of God's people, they're walking against God. They're doing things that God's against. And then they still want to pull out the I'm saved card. Don't work that way. How's this? Walking not contrary to God. Not contrary to his word. How about this? Not opposed to God and the things of God. This is what people do, and yet they know God. They say, I love God. Well, that's, I don't know. That doesn't seem right. I want to walk with God alongside. It denotes agreement. Again, Amos said, can two walk together except they be agreed? You know, my wife and I, we have a wonderful marriage and a good relationship. Every once in a while, she gets out of sorts. (laughs) And if we go for a walk, you know, it's kind of quiet and, I might reach for a hand and 
And mind you, it's not my fault. But walking with God, I'm telling you, it dotes agreement, a want to, a desire. Amen. I, I want to walk with my God. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he is not utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I want God holding on to my hand. Amen. So it denotes being in step with God, agreement with God, direction with God, a pace with God. It's hard to walk with somebody that's not on the same pace. Again, my wife, she's a walker. And, and, and I'll try to stay up with her for a little while, maybe, maybe like 100 feet. And then I'm panting and sweating. And I say, hey, can we just stroll? Can we just walk? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, it has to do with the pace. You ever been out of pace with somebody in a walk? Just a, you know, you're not going to believe this, but in high school I did run a little track. I know, I know, but there was a day I tried it. I did a little cross country. I didn't like it. It was boring to me, but I tried it. You got that, that, that event where you try to pass the baton, and they were, they were practicing, and I wasn't a part of that team. But, you know, it, it, takes, it takes timing. It takes, you know, knowing your partner. It take, that handoff is, is important, you know. It ruined the whole race if the baton is dropped. So pace is interesting. But I don't want to be in a relay race with God. Or I'm I want to be with him. I want to be next to him. Walking with my God. But this is the, the meaning of walking with God. The pace, the direction, the agreement, the intimacy, the closeness to God. And this is what I think we all want in 2020. I believe that as Christians. Now think about it. What does walking with God suggest? What does walking with God imply? What advantages will result in walking with God? Well, we'll have guidance in our way. Guidance in difficult times. Guidance in seasons of life. I remember I learned from my pastor in visiting people when you go see them at the hospital or at the funeral home or something like that. And if they ask advice, I say, are you okay? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you in your Bible? And I can't believe how many times I've asked the question, are you in your Bible? And people shake their heads and say, no, I'm not. I haven't read my Bible at all. And they're going through a crisis. And they're seeking after God. Hey, God is found in this book. Lo, I come in the volume of a book. And we need to know that book. And we need to run to it when we're going through sickness and health and our children and, and financial problems and, and matters at home and, and someone's near death or someone has died. This book divine God has given us and walking in his word will result in walking with God. It'll give us guidance. Walking with God will give us assurance and reassurance during hard times. Jude tells us in verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless, faultless before the presence of, of his glory with exceeding joy. That's a great verse. That's fellowshipping with God. When we walk with God, we'll experience his assistance on the journey of life. Not resistance, assistance. We'll need certainty from God. Through the curves and swerves of life, and man, does life curve and swerve. Amen? I mean, everything's going along good, and next thing you know, boom, there's a problem. By the way, pray for Dr. Bernie and Shar. They're really going through it. He's been sick, and 
having trouble communicating with doctors and, and they give him some medicine and send him home and he goes in again, same thing. And he knew, he knew, because he's a, he's a kidney patient, he knew what was wrong and told the doctors, but they would not work with him. One doctor just said, oh, you're okay, go home. Back. And going to different hospitals you didn't want to go to. So finally, he's really been struggling, worried about kidney rejection. And he went to the hospital last night. He's in the hospital at Beaumont, can't have visitors. Um, please, no calls or anything like that. Uh, we'll check on him, but he's in, he's in, in serious condition. And uh, Shara is just beside herself. Pray for her. God will comfort her. They did get a test back late last night that said his kidney function is good, but he has a raging infection, and infection is dangerous. But, you know, here's the thing. Life has its curves and swerves. Again, things go okay for a while. Next thing you know, there's a cold. Hey, Dr. James Sumter, 79, almost 80. I thought he was 80. He, he, got, he got a flu. And from the flu came all this trouble. And then he goes home to be with the Lord. Now, that's a good thing. He served God for all these years. He had a glorious uh, meeting with the Lord. Amen. I'm not sad for him. But I am hurting for his family and his church. But things can happen so fast. And that's why we walk with God daily, because of the uncertainty of life. Uh, we will possess, possess from God as we walk with God, help and comfort in our weakness, in our times of affliction, in our sorrows. And so it's good to have a daily walk with God. So consider the character of this man. Enoch walked with God. What does God know about me and you? Do we walk with God or we talk about it? Do we walk with God? Hey, I want to walk with God in 2020. I hope you want to go with me. Amen. Amen. It's another year. Last year's past. 18th. Oh, I had a really good year in 17. Well, wonderful. Well, what about this year? Let's have a desire to walk with God. Amen. It's a, it's a huge thing to walk with God. The scriptures tell us Enoch in Genesis 5, 22, walk with God. It says Noah in Genesis 9, 6, 9, walked with God. Abraham, Genesis 17, 1, walked with God. Isaac. Genesis 48, 15, walked with God. Amen. And we could go on and on. Um, uh, Micah 6, 8, uh, Leviticus 26, 12, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. It all talks about walking with God. Yes, now, number two, consider the man's peculiar circumstance. There's a peculiar circumstance in these verses. I think it is. It says, and Enoch walked with God. And the Bible says in verse 21, and Enoch lived 60 and five years. Here it is, peculiar, and begat Methuselah. A 65-year-old man had a baby. Well, his wife had the baby. But he helped. 65. 65. But, you know, when you balance it out, he lived to be 365 years old, and then you know, many of the, you hear about uh, this one living 900 and this one 910. And yeah, but here's why he didn't live that long. God took him. He lived with God and he walked with God. And when he was 65 years old, old, I think that's wonderful. I'm getting close to that age. Some of you are past it. 65 years old and he had a baby boy. I was talking to a, a car guy the other day, and he was telling me about his family, and he, he, he said, well, I got to get. He said, I, my daughter, she, she's playing basketball tonight, and he looked like my age. And he said, yeah, she's 18. 
he had like eight kids and she was the youngest. He said, we had five kids and we just thought that was it. And then another and another. And he goes, I just have loved this, this girl growing up. She's 18. She's really good at soccer. She, she's going to go over to Madonna and play for them. She got a uh, uh, scholarship. Thank you. It's because I'm getting close to 65. But anyway, <laughs> he was so excited about that. He said, you know, he said, it's keep me busy. It's keep me involved. He's kept me young. So I look at this text that I'm studying. Here's a 65-year-old guy, and he's having a son. Now listen, that's a peculiar circumstance. But it's quite young when you consider the age that he was when God took him. And God did take him. So he walked a relatively young life at this time. And I got to thinking about men having babies. Women having babies at a young age. The time period of Enoch, this is when he began to walk with God. He's 65 years old, and then here comes Methuselah. You know, I think it's interesting that I've seen this as a pastor, that when young men get married, that's, that's, a, that's reaching a milestone. But it seems like something happens, not all, but most, they man up. They grow up. It just happens. When you start having children, you need to grow up. And you need to be a husband and a father. Amen. And an example. Now, I'm sorry to say, a lot of men don't grow up and they're in their 60s. That's sad. But it's interesting that Enoch was walking with God, and when he lived 60 and five years, he begat Methuselah. And here we see that he started walking with God. Now, I'm sure he had a relationship with God, but this is where he took it seriously. That's what I'm talking about here. Enoch was considerably youthful, but at this youthful time, he said, you know, it's time for me to walk with God. 65, just a young man. And all God's men in their 60s said, oh, my goodness. You know, I'm glad I got saved young. I wish I'd have got saved when I was a child. I wish my parents had raised me up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I was raised religiously. I was Catholic. I, never, I, got, I didn't get saved until I was 17. But I'm glad I got saved at 17. I was already in trouble at 17. I'd already seen, got involved. I mean, I'm glad I got saved at 17. I don't know where my life would have went. I know I got an idea where it would have went had I not got saved at 17. And I got married at 19. Now all you parents take it easy. Pastor, don't say that. You're encouraged. Well, the Bible says the wife of thy youth. So you say, well, I don't. But listen, what's happening now in our day, young people don't even consider marriage until they're 30 or even older. And you know what happens? They do the fleshly deal. Because there's certain desires and passions that are taking place as God made them that way. And they're coming out of God's boundaries. So I believe in marriage at a young age. I know we don't know everything. Okay, get a house and get a job and get a career and all that. That's important stuff. You go as God leads you. But I've seen so many mess up in their 20s, in their 30s, because they're, they don't desire marriage. They just want to date. They just want to be, you know, as the world does. And I'm even talking about Christian people that go to church. You know, there's three things that the early church fathers warned the church about. He said, don't eat uh, offerings to idols, meat to idols. Don't eat blood. 
and don't fornicate. That, that's what the church, if you talk about, people call and say, what's your rules at Parkview Baptist Church? You know, we have grown in church polity, and we have certain things we say that we, we stand upon. But back then, those were the three rules. And you know man's been breaking that last rule of fornication all along, even God's people. And so I'm for marriage at a young age. So I don't like that. Well, I'm sorry. I'm the one preaching today. And I'm just saying to you, I am glad that I got saved at 17. I am glad that I got married at 19. I am glad for that. And I'm not saying it can't be 21, 22, 20. But I'm just, this thing that they have putting it off, putting it off, people are going to get in trouble morally. I got called to preach at 22. And I got ordained at 23. I remember going to my first church and they were interviewing me for the preacher job and they asked me how old I was and I'll never forget this. I told them my age and, and the one lady said, you're just a kid, right out loud. When I came here, I was a young preacher. I think it was 34. And if it wasn't for Elaine Childers, I probably wouldn't be here because she was backing me up that day. Everybody, oh, he's kind of young and there's others saying, well, you know, you're not supposed to get a pastor, you know, that's come from your church. That's a bunch of baloney. But but I remember, boy, Elaine's had my back, amen? Thank you, Elaine. God bless you. But, you know, I'm glad I was young. And, and, and I, I'm for young men getting called to preach and getting put aside and being ordained and going on and serving the Lord. Amen. That's good preaching. And I, listen, here's what I'm trying to say. Early piety is a good thing, according to God's word. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't say there necessarily that Timothy got saved. This word child means young child. We don't know exactly when Timothy got saved, but the suggestion in scripture was their salvation here. Here's something else I'm for. I'm, I'm for young children making professions of faith. And certain parents get all bugged out and freaked out. Oh, my kid's five or six or seven, and I don't think they know what they're doing. Let God talk to them. Amen. Be careful there. Quit telling them, no, 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 no. They just might say, okay, no. Be careful. This intimates that Timothy had salvation at a young age, and he was taught the scriptures. The circumstances of Enoch's life caused him to walk with his God. Here's what they were. He became a father. He said, it's time for me to grow up and walk with God. He realized he was a head of a family. Men that are here, this is not a Father's Day message, but it would fit. If you're the father, you're supposed to lead your family. And you cannot lead your family spiritually unless you walk with your God. Amen. Now, here's the question. Just for me to you. And you to God. Are you walking with God? Do your children see you in his word? Do they know that you pray? Do they see that? They see answered prayer. Do they see you have a desire to be in the house of God and serve the God and all that stuff? It's important. Because I'm going to tell you what. They will not serve God if they don't see you serving God. Very rare. It, it can happen, but it's very rare. Amen. Now, I want to give another sage comment here and we'll move on. I said most men begin to grow up when they realize the importance of walking to God when they have a child or when they become a parent. But not all do. 
and it's sad because children that are raised by parents that are still immature and won't walk with God, they're going to have a hard way for themselves to make a walk with God. Please, parents, search your heart today and see, are you leading your children? My wife, had, last night when I was studying, she puts on soft music sometimes, and she put on an instrumental, and I, could, I knew the words. It was, a, it was, it was patched of pirate songs that were just instrumental, a lot of guitar playing, and it was beautiful. I knew the words, and I'm studying, and I'm enjoying it. I said, my wife, where'd you get that? And she told me, it's picking on Patch or something like that. And my mind went back. You know, I met Patch the Pirate, Ron Hamilton, when his first CD came out. I was at pastor school at, at, at uh, Hammond, Indiana, and he was a speaker, that, and he, he brought his couple CDs, and I got one for the kids and brought it home way back then. And then we got those for our kids, and they listened to them, listened to them, listened to them their whole life. And those, my kids are all grown up, and they still know those songs. That's a good thing in their youth. My son-in-law, James, this is strange. I love everything about James like this one thing. He doesn't like patch songs. It's strange to me. And he didn't get Ellie in, my, in, in Boston and, and, and Lex. And, he, and we got him a CD. And he goes, you know what? I, don't, I didn't like him because it's, it's all I ever heard. It's all I ever heard when I was a kid. In the car, out of the car, at church, at the Christian school. Blah, blah, blah. He said, I'm just... But then they got him for Ellie. And she loves him. Boston, they love... I'm telling you, Ron Hamilton, who would have thought him having cancer in that eye? And having that taken out, and he start wearing a patch, and somebody says, oh, you look like a pirate. What a ministry in the lives that have been affected for Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know how I got on that. How did I get on that? But that's a good thing. Amen. That's it, getting close to 65 Park. Anyway, it's good. It's time for men to grow up. And I, I remember as a young father wanting to have devotion and wanting my kids to listen to godly music and wanting to take them to things that were good and wholesome, spiritually speaking. If you're a dad, lead your family. Walk with God. So I haven't done too good of a job. Then change it. I've watched men come to church for years. Some men, they just come to church. And sometimes I've had men come through, through the years. I wonder, are they even saved? And if you bring it up, there's a fence. There's, oh, of course I am. Well, you know, and they ask some testimony, and there's not much there. And you wonder, Dad, your kids ought to know that, that you're saved. Amen. And more than that, that you walk with God. Men and women, and I say to young people this morning, are you walking with God? Amen. I mean, real manhood is leading a family to walk with God. And I know we look at man, you know, manhood is not the ability to procreate. Manhood is not having all, you know, vim and vigor, although that's okay. I'm glad for that. I'm, again, I'm glad that men grow beers and women don't. I'm all for it. But just because you can do manly things doesn't make you a man of God. And if you're saved, you want to be a man of God. And let me add something else here. Many want to get married. Hey, listen, you want to get married, be a man and a woman of God now. Because everybody, they, they, they're looking for something they want, but they themselves don't want to be that. And you're not going to attract that kind of person if you're not that person. So be that person, and God may give you a good mate. Amen, Pastor. That's good preaching. I know you didn't intend to preach that, but we needed to hear it. Amen. Young people, be Christian young people. 
Young men, be young men for Christ. Get in your Bible. Serve the Lord. And let me add something else. People come and they want to serve. the. all want to do something. They wait and wait and wait. And all of a sudden now, I, I want to serve the Lord, Pastor. Okay, what would you like? Oh, I want to be a deacon. I want to preach. It don't work that way. And young people, it don't work that way. I, I see young people grow up in church. They go off to Bible college. When they come home, you can't find them. They don't come and say, Pastor, can I work in the bus department? Can I work in the... No, no, no. Summer's for them. Oh, I didn't intend to preach this, but this is a good preach. This is going to help somebody. Amen. If you say you're called to preach, then be a preacher. Be a man of God first. I'm not interested in guys coming to me and saying, can I preach and you don't come to visitation? You don't tithe? The basics. I, I really didn't intend to preach this. I'm just running, I'm just running this rabbit because I see I'm getting somewhere with it. Amen. Be a man of God. Here's what you need to do. Walk with God in 2020. See what will happen to you. You want to be a preacher or a deacon or a departmental leader? I say, I could run this better than everybody. Then be a man of God. Be a woman of God. And here's something else. Be submissive because everybody needs to start out low and go up high. Faithfulness in the small things will make you faithful to get higher positions. Boy, that's good. That's, that's good. I didn't intend to say that. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that, because somebody needed to hear it today. Amen. Enoch realized that when he began to have children and raise a family, it was his duty to walk with God. We need to move on to the next point. I, I got to move on. That's, I've, been, I've been wearing that one out. So I'm passing up pages here. I'm passing up more pages. Let me find a good place to land here. Oh, I'll pass that one up. Let's pass that one. Uh, how about some scripture? That would be good. Let's go to some scripture. Look at Psalm chapter 63. Because I didn't intend to go that direction, but that's the way we went, and that's good. Psalm 63, look at verse 2 and 4. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary... Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. The point I want to make out here is the benefits of walking with God. You know what it'll do? It'll get you in the sanctuary. The sanctuary was their house of God. It was their place to worship God. It was, it was church. It was a temple. And we move it forward to our time. It's church. Being in the house of God. And so if we want to walk with God, gentlemen and ladies... You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you need to have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you need to have a personal relationship with the Bible, and I think it's a good thing that you might have a personal relationship with church. Amen. And I hear people say, well, I don't need God, and I don't need the Bible, and I don't need church, and I don't need any of that religious stuff. I understand when lost people say that stuff. I used to be lost. I didn't care, and they don't either. And we try to put requirements on lost people. And we say, you know, they need to do this. They need to do. They're not going to do that because they're lost. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them. They're foolishness unto them. But my trouble is people that have gone to church their whole life say they're saved. And then they get into jam and this. Well, I don't care what the pastor says. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what my parents say. 
And let me tell you something. They don't care what the Holy Spirit says either because the Bible says to be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And none of that's going on. And you know what happens to us? We feel bad. We, we try to make it better for them. But they're going the opposite direction. See, walking with God denotes what? Walking with God. Agreement. Amen. Fellowship. But you got a Christian that's out of fellowship. They're going the opposite direction. It's not for us to pat them on the head. But we're to constantly telling them, hey, you need to get right with God. You need to get in church. And after a while, they don't, they don't like that. But let me tell you something. Parenting and relationship with people about the long haul, not the short term. I've seen some people come back to God. Later, they said, you know, every time I went to church, I felt conviction. Every time I got around my sister-in-law, or every time I got around my grandpa, every time I got around the preacher, I felt good. Christians that are out of fellowship with God, they ought to feel uncomfortable around godly people. Amen. But people say, I, I don't need the Bible. Hopefully there's no one here that you say you're saved and you don't need the Bible. Pastor Williams instructed us this morning not to call people fools, so I won't. But I'm going to tell you what God's word says. Proverbs 14.1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 74.18, remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. Psalm 53.1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Proverbs 14.16, a wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. Proverbs 10.14, wise men lay up knowledge, but the, the mouth of the fool is near destruction. Listen, so we're politically correct this morning. Proverbs 14.1, every wise woman buildeth her house but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Proverbs 14, 3. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Over and over again, Scripture, we're told about, hey, don't, don't be foolish. Walk with God. Have a personal relationship with God. Everybody needs a personal relationship with God. Religion is not a bad thing. We, we often say you need a relationship and not religion. I get that. That's... That's kind of what Pastor Williams is teaching us. you got opposites. They teach something there, principles. But religion is not interest. It's good. The word religion is found in our Bible. The definition of the word religion means belief in God, the pursuit or interest of a supreme being. But the Bible word for religion says in James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God and he tells us to feed the hungry and the widows. But it says this word worship there means worshiping. Uh, it means uh, desiring God, religious devotion. And then in James 1.26, he uses the word religious, which means if any man among you seem to be religious, what does that mean? I love this word. Fearful, trembling, God-fearing. We need God's people to be God-fearing again. And so religion is not bad. Yes, you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, but religion's okay too. Religion means going to the house of God, getting involved in the house of God, worshiping, praising God in the house of God, serving in the house of God, fellowship in the house of God. House of God's wonderful, and there are people, they don't want the house of God. Godness with contentment is great gain. We live in a world that's not content today, and it's rubbing off on us Christians. So consider this man. 
When did he start picking it up? When he became a father. A peculiar circumstance. I'll mention these and we'll be done. Consider the man Enoch and the glorious event that succeeded from his walk with God. Look at Genesis, or back to Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. This is, so, this is so good. It's there all the time for us. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, Enoch walked with God and he was not for why God took him. Enoch walked with God and he was not. You see, he could have lived on, and we said he lived to the age of 365. You know, after 65 and he had a son, he had three more, 300 more years to live. Three centuries. <laughs> but he lived them walking with God. And that pleased God. And so God looked down and said, you know what? I'm just going to take this guy home with me. Can God look down at us and say, you know what? You're worthy to be with me now. We look at death sometimes wrongly. Hey, really. For a Christian, death is to be with God. As from the body present with the Lord. And it's sad, and don't take me wrong, I'm not trying to be hurtful. But sometimes God just says, you know what? I want him. I want her. That's okay. What's bad maybe is that we stay and stay and stay. And I'm not saying one's better than another, but I am saying it was a good thing when Enoch went home with God. And he walked with God. The glorious event that succeeded from his walk with God is he was taken. He went directly with God. God took him. This word took is an interesting word. It's the same word in the Old Testament for the New Testament word, rapture. Now, we don't have the word rapture in our Bible. It's a, that's a Latin word. But we have the word caught up. And we find it four times in the Bible. Three times in the Bible, it has the meaning of being seized or fetched. Or lay hold of. It means to receive, acquire, snatch, take away. Those are all great words. Amen? In one of these days, what is the hope of the Christian? To be translated, to be with Jesus. To be snatched, seized, plucked up. Just like Enoch. Enoch in the Bible was taken away by God. I think he, I think he was okay with that. Don't you? I hope, I've said, I, Paul said, you know, we which are alive remain to come. He thought he was going to go in the rapture. I'd sure like to go in the rapture. How many would like to go in the rapture? I'd like to go in the rapture. I don't know the word. Whoosh. That's a good word. Whoosh. And we're there. At death, when our soul departs from us, folks, it's whoosh. And we're in the very presence of God. God honored Enoch. He walked with God, and God took him. And this is the same fashion in which the Lord will come and get the bride someday and take the church away. Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God. Took him. I'm looking forward to it. You heard old guys say, I'd rather go by the upper taker than the undertaker. And all God's people said amen. That's true. I just want to experience the whoosh. And I don't even know if I'll have time to experience such a thing. I don't know. Maybe on this side, no, but on that side. But wasn't that great? I remember we were on vacation years ago, and, you know, I picked up weight through the years, and I was pretty, pretty hefty back then, and all the kids in Colorado wanted to go on the, uh, 
on the river uh, tubing. And we all got our outfits on. And I didn't think it was going to be a good day because when I went there, they make you put on these outfits. And I went in this little room and they gave me this rubber outfit and I looked at it and I looked at me and I looked at it and I looked at me and it took me a long time to get that dude on. And I got it on and I came out and I, I come out to my wife first and I said, honey, I cannot wear this because it's just so clingy. And, and so I, I put on a pair of shorts. She went in the car and got, I put my shorts on. And I looked like the most ridiculous person in the world. I got, this, I got this suit on with these big pair of shorts on, and I'm walking around. People are looking at you. But I was looking at some of those people that were bigger than me, and they were the ones that looked pretty ridiculous. And we got in that thing, and the guy told us about the rules, and you wear a, ham, a helmet, and you got, it, it's cold water. Oh, it's icy water there in Colorado River. And uh, we got in that thing, and I told my wife, told the kids, this is going to be the best day of my life or the worst. <laughs> and it was a good day, but it was scary. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't know. I know this. I don't want death. I really want to, I want to be swooshed. I think swooshing would be feeling better to me than dying. But either way, to die in the Lord's a good thing because then you're in the presence of the Lord. But I'm just trying to say, Enoch walked with God and he was not. And I think it had to do with how he walked with God for all those years. God says, you know what? Let's just bring Enoch home. Amen. And of course, God was going to put in his word, word different people that experienced a similar to show us this is a real truth. I mean... Rahab and her family, they were taken out before destruction, right? You see in the Bible, the Israelites were taken out of Egypt. Those are all pictures of us being delivered from what? The tribulation, from judgment. And I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Enoch, Noah's family taken, put in the ark and protected as judgment came. Solomon, his beloved. And that's where this word comes from. Solomon, come away, my beloved. And you see in Revelation, the church is mentioned in chapter 4, I think it is, they're gone. And in Solomon, he's talking about his relationship with his beloved. And he kept saying to her, come away, my beloved, my dove, my, my undefiled. Amen. Come away with me. My beloved spake and said, rise up, my beloved, my fair one, and come away. He said, the fig tree putteth forth her, fig, uh, her green figs and the vines, the tender grapes, a good smell, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. That's the hope. That's the hope of every believer. Oh, let me give you my last point, and I'm done. Well, I gave you all the points. Let me give you my closing. Enoch walked with God. His story is an exciting story. It's an inspiring story. It's an instructional story. It's an amazing story. God took him. It should cause up us in 2020 to want to walk with God. And here's what the scripture says. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. You know, I think sometimes what happens to us as Christians, we know this doctrine that the Lord's coming. We've heard it. Maybe the first time you heard it, oh, I hope the Lord, and for several years, we're looking, this could be the year. This could be the year. And it's preached on New Year's Eve services. It's preached first part of the year services by preachers. This could be the year. This could be... But we get to the point where we, we say, yeah, oh, we've heard that one all before. This could be the year. It really could. That ought to excite us. 
cause us to be walking with God when he takes us. Don't you want to walk with God and then one of these just any day, normal, ordinary day, the Lord takes us and we're gone. Amen? But here's our duty before we go. The goal, walking with God. First of all, it's a common blessing and a privilege for all believers. If you're here today and you're not saved, you're not going. Sadly, you won't go in the rapture. But when you die, you might not go either. You ought to want to go to heaven when you die, not hell when you die. We don't like that word hell, but it is true. It's in the Bible. Jesus preached on it. If you're not saved, get saved today. Get saved today. Our common duty, what is that for the church? All that walk with God. To warn the lost. Let's tell them. Let's tell them often. Let's tell them with tears. And let's tell them again and again and again. I, so don't give up. How many times do we give up on our loved ones because we get cussed out or they don't like us or they, they avoid us? Hey, that's a given. They don't get it. They don't understand you. You're a nut. You're a kook. Be a kook for Christ. Amen. And keep witnessing, keep loving and serving the Lord. They're going to see something different in you. And you just may turn them to Jesus Christ. So tell them. Tell them often. Tell them with tears. Tell them again and again. But tell them. And they're going to know your walk with God. There's a difference. And they may say, you know what? I surrender. I see what I see in my son, my daughter, my grandkids. I see what I see in my wife. I see what my neighbor, my coworker, that church over there, they're different. And you know what? I've rejected them. I've put them off, but I want it now. Amen. Walking with God in 2020. How about it? Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Father.